Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated this morning. Amen. Isn't God good this morning? Praise God. Once again, we want to welcome everybody. We're glad that you're here. We want to release all the youth. Junior high, high school, you're free to go. Go with Alex there in the back. and They have something for you back there. Amen. Well, real quick, before we get started, I just want to kind of put out a little bit of a disclaimer. So if it seems like I'm a little bit odd today, just go with it. It'll be entertaining. Say, what's wrong with you? Well, for some reason, and I think it's because of the construction that we're doing over there in the other building, we're, we're working on the offices over there. We, you remember a few weeks ago we told you about we were going to start that. Um, we got to sanding drywall, and I got it in my nose and, and all of that, and now my allergies are going nuts. And so right now it feels like I'm in a tin can, in a cave, underneath 100 feet of water with that bass drum pounding. And so it's a little, uh, I'm a little wobbly, so if I fall off the stage, don't worry. I'll be okay. I'm trying, I'm going to try not to uh, venture too far from the, the pulpit, but uh, we'll have a good time in the Lord. Can you say amen? amen. It is a blessing. And I just want to take a moment again and just wish all the fathers, grandfathers, spiritual fathers here today, just want to wish you a, a happy Father's Day. We are so glad for you today. Amen. Give me a hand. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. And so this morning we're going to continue on with what we had started as a mini-series, but this has turned out to be a full series. And so God's kind of like that every now and then. You know, you plan stuff, and God says, well, I have a different idea. And it's always good. Here's a piece of advice for free. It's always good to go with God's idea. He, de he definitely knows better. I've had a few better ideas that weren't. Amen? Have you ever had that thought you knew better and thought you had an idea? Well, uh, God has better ideas, and it's always uh, good to go on. So before we get too far into this, I do want to take a few minutes, if I can, and remind you of a few things that we've said so far. Of course, our text is Matthew 13, and we will get to that here in just a few minutes. Um, and what we've been looking at is we have been looking at the parable of the sower. Now, I believe, my personal belief is, is that this parable is incredibly important. And the reason why it's incredibly important, because it's talking about the central part of our life. It's talking about our heart. Amen? The Bible even tells us that our heart is so important that we should guard it, because out of the heart flow all the issues of life. And so we need to pay attention to that. Your heart today is the key to your success in life. You will be measured by your heart. Amen. That's, you remember back, you remember back with David, that, you know, Samuel came to anoint a king and he thought, well, look at all these strapping young lads. Look at these guys. They're all, you know, handsome and they're like, man, they look like they're kings. They look like they should be kings. But God said, no, none of those guys are it. And then David came and God told him, he says, look, I don't go by the outside. I go by the inside. I, I look at the heart of a man. Our hearts are incredibly important. And in this parable, Jesus is telling us what kind of heart it takes to receive and to retain the Word of God. Now, how many know this morning receiving and retaining the Word of God is important? Amen. We need the Word of God. You, you can't live very long without the Word of God. Not as a Christian, not successfully. You may be able to do a lot of different things, but you're going to find in life that life is going to get kind of difficult without the Word. There's something about the Word of God. The Word of God has inherent power that changes who we are, what we are, how we live, what we do, and it always blesses us. 
Always. Even when the word is being used as correction, the Bible says the peaceable fruit of righteousness is what comes after that. And so the word of God is incredibly important. And you and I, as Christians, we need to be concerned with how we receive and how we retain the Word of God in our lives. So Jesus goes on and he's telling this parable and he tells us the first type of soil in the parable of the sower, which represents the heart, the soil is the heart. He says it's the hard ground, the pathway or the wayside. And he said, and he told us in this as he explained it to his disciples, he said, this type of ground or this type of heart is the condition of heart that represents the person who does not value the Word of God. And you say, well, why is that? How can you see that in that verse of Scripture? Because the Word of God does not penetrate the ground there. Jesus said it's hard, and the seed, the Word of God, the seed falls on the ground. It doesn't penetrate, and the birds or the devil comes immediately to steal that away. See, when we value the Word of God, the value, that dynamic of valuing the Word of God is what opens us up. It's what loosens up the soil, if you will, for the Word to penetrate, to find a spot in our life. Now, when I say this today, when I say this represents a person that does not value the Word of God, no one in this room would ever go online and say, yep, that's me, Pastor. I'm just a hard-hearted Christian. I don't value the Word of God. No one would ever do that because we look at that and we see it as being, you know, evil or wicked or a bad person. But the problem is, church, if you're not careful, you can breeze by the reality of hardness and not even understand that there are areas of your life that are impenetrable. In other words, there's areas that have yet to be surrendered. There are areas of our heart that still remain resistant to the Word of God. And the problem is with a lot of Christians today, we go through life and we say with our mouth, we value the Word, but the actions of our life are speaking something completely different. Amen, it's true. And we have to understand that valuing the Word of God means that we receive it, we allow it to engraft itself into our lives, and we allow it to bear fruit in our lives. That's valuing the Word of God. It's we don't just hear it. See, see, we convince ourselves that if I hear the Word, then I'm good. But that, that's not what he's talking about. We can't just hear the Word. We've got to be a doer of the Word. This is the thing that I think that a lot of Christians, and this is where counseling often... Let me, can I tell you something? Can I just take a little bunny trail real quick? Counseling, listen to me. I'm, an, I'm a counselor. Okay, and I may end my job here as a counselor by saying this. Counseling is not a magic wand. Counseling will not fix your problems. You can come to me or any other counselor for the rest of your life until you're blue in the face and remain exactly the same as you are the moment you came. Counseling does not fix problems. Counseling diagnoses issues and presents options. It is then our decision to follow what has been said. That's where change begins. <clears throat> and so what I want to do today is I want to show you how all of this works. Because if you'll get this on the inside of your life, you will really begin to change. See, when, when the Bible tells us to resist the devil, to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, it really means that. Can you say amen? amen. The problem is we just want him to flee because we don't want to necessarily submit. And you know that resistance stuff is a little tiring. 
And see, and the problem is, is that's how we devalue the word, is because we come up with a better idea. We come up with a derivative, if you will, of we come up with our interpretation. No, the Bible says submit to God. What does that mean? It means to bring yourself under the influence of. Submit yourself. Turn your will over to Him. <clears throat> Turn your will over so that He has control, that you don't have control. So if He says stop, you stop. If He says go, you go. If He says left, you go left. If He says right, you go right. He's in control. He says that's submission. Then resist. Say no. Enough. You're not coming any further. No more. I resist you. I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. I don't care what I think. No more. I resist you. And the Bible says those two things. If we will do that in Christ, the devil will flee. But we wonder, why isn't he fleeing? Why isn't he? Because we haven't submitted. We haven't resisted. We think we are. We think going to church, oh, I'm submitting to God. No, you're just going to church. Going to church does not produce Christians, nor does going to Burger King turn you into a hamburger. Just don't work. You can go to Burger King the rest of your life, and you will not be a hamburger. A miracle has to happen. And if it does, let me know, because we'll get rich. But the reality is, is we think merely going to church that, see, I listen to you preach, preacher, you're giving me the word. Yes, I'm expounding on the word, and as we talked last week, do you remember, this is kind of the already been chewed word. It's that ABC gum, remember that, that you reach under your, 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 you get the gum under the table and you pull out a big wad, it's kind of gray, it's been there for a while. It's gray, and it's got little chunks in it, you know, and you don't really know what those chunks are, but hey, what, whatever. And you throw it in your mouth, and it's like, a little stiff, but I'll work it out. And he goes, it's got an odd flavor. I bet it does. Hmm, kind of, you know, it's that bad breath taste. <laughs> Getting fresh gum is better. Getting fresh word is better than already been chewed. How many know what I'm talking about? But sometimes what we do is we just get content. And somewhere along the line, we end up devaluing, not because we don't love the Word, but because we just don't make it important. We just don't make it a priority. Listen, this is something that's been on my heart for a while, is this thing of priority. I've been looking and reading out of the Old Testament and and looking at culturally how the men and women of God in the Old Testament lived. And some of that we even see in modern cultures today, how that people are influenced. Everything they do is based around what God thinks and says and does. In other words, they have made God their life. The problem with us many times is we make God a part of our life. His Word is a part of our life. He goes, I don't want to be a part. I want to be the whole. I don't want a part of your life. I want all your life. I don't want a part of your heart. I want all of your heart. I want access to every corner, every crevice, every closet, every dark, scummy, ugly area. I want access to it. He says, I want it all. And it's when we come into that place that the Word of God can really begin to penetrate and make a difference. Can you say amen? Amen. The second condition of heart that we looked at was the shallow heart. He talked about the stony ground. It's the the kind of ground, it's the kind of heart that that is, uh, uh, it doesn't have much soil. The roots go in, the seed goes in, and out of excitement, out of joy, anticipation, all of a sudden the, the seed grows and it, it, it begins to blossom and it begins to go because the roots are shallow 
and things happen quickly. But the first sign of problem, the first difficulty, the first persecution, the first time the devil shows up and goes, oh yeah, things begin to wilt. The sun comes out and we begin to wilt back. Why? Because there is no depth. So this is the kind of person that has no growth in them. They haven't grown. And the Bible clearly teaches us that Jesus wants us to grow. He wants us to mature in our walk with Him. It's not enough, church, listen to me. Now, I'm not trying to add things to salvation. Salvation is complete in itself. I'm not saying that. Salvation is its own thing. You get saved. From that point of salvation, it's intact. Now you grow. Are you hearing me? So it's not enough just to simply get saved and wait for heaven. God says, I want you to do something with that salvation. I want you to grow in it. See, Jesus likened himself to a door. He says, I'm the doorway. I'm the door to the sheepfold. Anyone that comes in, they come through me. Jesus is a doorway. His salvation is a door into the kingdom. The problem is, is we come into the door and we hang out in the foyer. And we don't go any further. And God says, there's so much more to explore. There's so much more that you can know and be and do if you will grow in it. As human beings, growth is so important to us that non-growth is always regarded as a tragedy. It doesn't matter whether growth is stunted physically, mentally, or emotionally. We all look at that as being a tragedy. And when something or someone stops growing, we always know it's a problem. I told you last week, and I'll show you a picture. Go ahead and put that first picture up. This is my grandson, Owen. Isn't he sweet? That's the donkey in my front yard. The kids named the donkey. I can't remember what it is, but Owen, he, every time he comes over, he always runs to the donkey, and he sits on it, and he is just the sweetest little thing. And everybody, did you notice everybody went, oh, isn't that sweet? Isn't that cute? And see, and that's, that is pretty cute, isn't it? It fits him. It's right his size, and it's really great. But let me show you a problem. If Owen turns 33, which Jason's 33, and uh, he's still riding the donkey, he ain't as cute anymore. It's, it's kind of tragic, isn't it? It's like, we thought of that last night. Jason came over. It was, it was night, and we had, we had the headlights on him and flash and all that and put that on there. But I thought, you know what? See, that's a tragedy. And we recognize it as a tragedy. We laugh at it. Owen, we went, aww. Jason, we, oh my God, what an idiot. Do you see the difference? Why? Because he ought to know better. His days of riding donkeys are over. The problem is, here's the problem, church, is there are a lot of Christians that are 33 years into their Christianity, but they are still dealing with the same donkey they rode in on when they got saved. And it's tragic. I know, that's like, ooh, wow, I need to think about that one. We ought to. And and look, I am not saying these things because I want to somehow make you feel bad. I'm saying this to you because there is so much more for you. I'm telling you, if you think riding a, 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 a stone donkey in my front yard is fun, wait till you really get to the stuff that's fun. Wait till you get to what's real. Because that's just a placebo. That, you know what Owen doesn't understand? Owen doesn't understand that there are real donkeys out there. There's horses out there that are beautiful. 
that you can ride into the countryside and see scenery where you can't see anywhere else. There are things that you can do in this life that will make that look like nothing. Same as in Christianity. But we're content to sit on the donkey. So as we go on, I want to read our text again. We've been looking at this because we want to go on and, and look at the third ground. But the Bible says in Matthew chapter 13, it says, Then he told them many things in parables, starting in verse 3, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and as the birds came and ate it up, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, and still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. So we're moving on this morning into the next type of soil, which is the third type. He calls it the thorny ground or the thorny soil. I call it the cluttered soil. And Jesus, when he was asked by his disciples to explain this, he says in Matthew 13, 22, he says, now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. In the same soil, in the same heart, where God's God has planted his seed, there were thorns. These thorns, they grew up alongside the word, and the Bible says they overcame it, and it rendered the word unfruitful. Now here's a great revelation for us. The capacity and the resources of our hearts are limited. There is only so much our hearts can successively sustain. Are you hearing me? Amen. The soil of our hearts cannot maintain both the spiritual life of Jesus Christ and everything else we want to do in this life at the same time. Jesus put it this way in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. He says, no one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Your heart this morning cannot handle both. It doesn't have the capacity. One will overcome the other. Now listen to me. Jesus isn't being angry here. He is simply stating a fact. Much of Jesus' teaching was practical in nature. He was teaching how to live in the kingdom. He was teaching how to step out of the realm of this world into the influence and spirit of his world. How to live in kingdom. And he says the human heart doesn't have the capacity for God and everything else. And this is a profound lesson that many people struggle with. You just can't do everything you want and still serve Jesus. Listen to me. Listen to what I'm saying. When you become a believer, your life is no longer your own. Jesus has exclusive rights to you because he died for you. There is, an, there is an express expectation that we become willing to remove that which has power to choke out the word. The amazing thing is this morning is that these things that exist in us have the power to choke out the word. Are you hearing me? 
Now, every now and then, I will have an epiphany. You know what an epiphany is. It's those aha moments. It's that light bulb moment. You know what I'm talking about? It's that moment when you, all of a sudden, everything becomes crystal clear. And a few years back, I was going through our house searching for something I thought I desperately needed at that very moment. How, you ever go on a desperate search in your house? Usually with us, it's the remote control. Our remote somehow always slips down behind the couch and it ends up in places. It's like, how in the world does physically impossible, how does it get there? But it does, it ends up in weird places. And then, and then when the grandkids come over, they haul stuff around and, and it's like, where, how, how? And so we're always searching for something. Some of you, it's your keys. Amen. Or it's a book, or it's something. But at that moment, you're searching for something. And you're saying, you know what, I need this right now. Well, this is one of those moments. And after I rummaged through several junk drawers in our house and overloaded closets and a garage that I can barely walk in, I came to the conclusion that my family, me and my wife, have way too much miscellaneous stuff. Amen. Amen. Have you ever done that? Have you ever went, wow, why are we hanging on to all these dead batteries? <laughs> Do you know how many emery boards we have? We have enough emery boards that I could build a castle. Uh, you know, remember how they did pops, popsicle sticks? We, we have thread. We have thread. Like, what color is this thread? It's so old, it's lost its color. <laughs> I mean, we, we have stuff everywhere. It's like, holy cow, we have closet, we have one closet, you have to hold your hand in and get it in, and it, whoop, shut it like that. It's filled, it's, it's filled with, I went into that closet the other day, opened it up, and I was just standing there and I'm going, Why? Because it, it's, it's kind of a walk-in closet. It's in the other bedroom. But it's got all my clothes in it. Not the ones I wear. There's skinny clothes. There's chubby clothes. There's fluffy clothes. And then there's dang. And here's what I, I said. Why are we keeping this? My wife says, well, you might fit into it one day. Even if I do, I refuse to wear it. I'm not doing it. I'm not wearing that. I'm not, it's old. It's like 1984. I'm not wearing it. I mean, 84 is kind of coming back, but I'm not, I'm not wearing it. But we've got it all nice, and it's, you know, it's all, you know, we did, we did it right. We took the hangers, and we twist-tied it, so it's all nice and neat. But this closet's so full that we're hanging on. It's like, why are we doing this? Go out to the garage. We have boxes. I'm not joking. Boxes that we have moved three times. Kathy and I, in our marriage, have lived in three houses. We have boxes that we have not unpacked since we got married. We just celebrated 36 years. But Lord, we, we got to keep that. I don't even know what's in the box. I'm afraid to look. But we got it. It's stacked in the corner. I cannot have a workbench in my garage because we got to store the boxes. We have way too much miscellaneous stuff. Some would call it treasure. Others politely say it's just stuff. I say it's useless clutter. And you know what the problem with clutter is? Can I, can I just be honest? With you? Here's the problem with clutter. It takes up valuable resources like space. It hinders progress. It weighs you down. It bogs you down. It breeds confusion. Here, here is a sinister thing about clutter. It makes you feel like you have something when you really have nothing. Yeah. 
truly valuable things get lost in clutter. And most of the time, if not all the time, your clutter is frustrating, irritating, and it's an eyesore. And the sad part of all this clutter is it's not just a physical reality, it's a spiritual one as well. The problem with many today is they're overwhelmed with spiritual clutter in their lives. It's the mental, emotional, and spiritual baggage that we accumulate over the years and we haul around. It's the disappointments. It's the failures. It's the hurts. It's the bad habits. It's the wrong thinking. It's the unforgiveness. that begin to build up in us. And for some of us, it's literally choking the life out of us. You don't have to be involved in church very long before you realize that people are generally living way below, way below the level God has intended for them. This is something that has captivated my thinking recently. I've been praying about this and asking God about this. Because what we have, here's what I have. We, we have the Word of God. How many believe the Word of God is true? Raise your hand. Amen. Those of you that didn't will help you. The Word of God is true. God said what He meant and meant what He said. And He intends, God's intention is that we would apply the Word, that we would use it, that we would believe it, that it would produce what it says it will. Amen. And we have promises, great and precious promises in the Word of God that are sealed and signed in the blood of Jesus. Can you say amen? Things like healing, things like provision, things like deliverance, things like forgiveness and salvation, and things that are central to what we believe as Christian. But the problem is we're not seeing them. I, look at I absolutely, I have made it a, a, a condition of my life to absolutely believe and to hold to the doctrine of healing, yes. period. Amen. I don't care what my body says. I don't even care what my doctor says. I'm not opposed to doctors. I think they're wonderful. I think medical intervention is, is, is wonderful. It's from God. But look at, at the end of the day, God gets the final word. And He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, my healer. Period. End of conversation. Jesus did not take those stripes upon His back by chance or haphazardly. He took them deliberately to pay the price for my healing. Period. Don't care what the circumstances are. Lots of questions I can't answer, but one that has been on me lately is, why are we not seeing more healing? Why? Why? So I've been praying. I've been saying, God, you know, I know it's not a problem with you. There's not a power shortage in heaven. You know, God doesn't have rolling brownouts, you know what I'm saying? It's, God doesn't have a power problem in heaven. And God is not short or slack according to His promise. So what is it? Well, it's got to be a problem down here. So what's happening? I've been praying, God, why? How can we see more? And God began to direct me back to this very issue. He said, John, part of the problem is you are too distracted. There's too many options. There's too many things in the way. There's too much you're carrying. See, the problem is when you try to carry too much, nothing gets across the finish line. Paul writes, this one thing I do, I press towards the mark. This one thing I do. And part of the problem is, church, we're hanging on to stuff and we've become nostalgic and even sentimental to the things we hold on to. Habits, hang-ups, hurts, sins. We train ourselves to respond certain ways. We hold on to them as if they are important. 
I remember years ago when my mom passed away, we were, I was, my task was to go through some of her stuff and sort through it. And my mom, my mom had gotten, she had a dresser and she had that dresser all my life. I do not remember them ever having any other dresser. And the top drawer of that dresser was her drawer. It was, it was a drawer where she kept all her stuff. And I was always told as a kid, don't go in that drawer. You leave that alone. You get out of there. That was my, just, if I, you know, and every now and then I would sneak in and look in there. And there was, no, there was just junk in there. But I remember, I remember when my mom passed, I, my dad said, I just, he goes, I can't do it. You need to take care of that. So I remember opening up that drawer and I thought, well, I can't do it right now. I'm just going to take all of this and put it in a box. I'll deal with it later. So I took it all, put it in a box. And about a month later, I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And so I opened up the box and I started going through it. And I found in there, there was a matchbook. There was no matches in it, but there was a matchbook cover. And on the inside, it had a phone number written. And I thought, oh, wow. That's my mom's handwriting. Save. I saved it. Why? I don't have a clue who what phone number it is. The, the matchbook cover comes from a restaurant in Michigan. Don't know what my mom was doing. It was her handwriting. I was nostalgic. I was sentimental about that. I had to hang on because that represented mom. Well, since then, I've gotten rid of that because it's really a phone number. It's actually trash. It's, it's just, it doesn't mean nothing. It's not my mom. But what happens when we're not careful, we begin to collect all of these little things. Little words and hurts and little, little habits and little hang-ups and little things in our life. These little spots in us that we hang on and we hold on to it. Do you know what they did? Do you, do you know what so-and-so did to me? You, you know, when I was little, this happened to me. For some of us, time to let go. It's time to go, you know what, I, I've, I've hauled this around throughout life. And I don't need to haul it. I've, I've been set free from that. And see, the problem is, is that when we don't set it free, what it does is it begins to speak to us. It begins to undermine us. It begins to rob our lives. And that's why we end up seeing marriages in all kinds of turmoil. Christians living in rebellion, homes in chaos, fear, worry, insecurity, torment, addictions, dysfunction, depression, discouragement, abuse, offense, confusion, tiredness, weariness, and brokenness. Why? Because we're carrying far too much. The thorns are growing. Weeds are growing. And they're choking out what's valuable. There's an interesting story in the Old Testament in Numbers chapter 33, verse 50 through 55. And I want to read this to you because I want to make a point. God's dealing with the children of Israel. And he says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When you have crossed the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then you shall drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, from before you. Destroy all their engraved stones. Destroy all their molded images. And demolish all their high places. You shall dispossess the inhabitants of the land and dwell in it, for I have given you the land to possess. And you shall divide the land by lot as an inheritance among your families. To the larger you shall give a larger inheritance, and to the smaller you shall give a smaller inheritance. There, there everyone's inheritance shall be whatever falls to him by lot. You shall inherit according to the tribes of your fathers. But if you do not drive out the inhabitants of the land from before you, then it shall be that those whom you let remain shall be irritants in your eyes and thorns in your side, and they shall harass you in the land where you dwell. Now, in this portion of Scripture, 
God's giving the children of Israel the key to lasting victory. He's given us the key to lasting victory if we'll pay attention to it. Because these people had a new home. They had a new promise. There was something bright and shiny in front of them. It was something that God was giving them. But he says, look at what I want you to do is when you go in to possess this land, I want you to get rid of the thorns. I want you to get rid of the stuff that inhabits now. You need to get rid of it. He says, because if you don't, listen, you don't, if you don't do this, there'll be an irritant in your eye. In other words, that which remains in the land will change how you see life. It'll change your perspective. And it'll be a thorn in your side. When you have a thorn in your side, it's hard to pay attention to anything else. It has your attention. Have you ever had a sliver? Isn't it amazing how little a thing in your finger can stop you from doing work? It's like, my gosh, my finger's cut off. No, it's not. You have a sliver. It's just little. Man up. Oh, it's, man, it's, it hurts. Quit being a sissy. Or get it out. The moment you get it out, you go back to work, it's nothing. The problem is, is we like carrying this stuff. And when they went in, the children of Israel went in. At first, they went in gangbusters. They went in, they did it. But what happened is they grow weary in well-doing. They went, you know what? Enough's enough. These aren't bad people. This isn't really, this, this isn't that bad. I actually kind of like them. You know, they got really cool little statues. They're kind of cool. And at first, what is cool and acceptable becomes a handcuff. And it will, it will wear you out. It will wear you out. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 in the Living Bible says, When someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A brand new life has become or has begun. And it would be nice if it stopped there, but it doesn't, does it? Because what God tells us to do is He says, I have broken. He says, I broke the curse of sin. I've broken the power of sin. I've broken the consequence of sin. You are completely righteous before me. You don't have to do anything to have the position of righteousness. Now what I need you to do is I need you to walk that righteousness out and apply that righteousness to every area of your life, getting rid of the habits of your life. But what we end up doing is we end up negotiating with the devil. I'll tell you what, devil, you leave me alone and I'll leave you alone. Problem is, he won't leave you alone. So God tells them, tear down every idol, destroy their false gods, move their altars, tear up their pictures, get rid of all the junk, get rid of it. Don't let, don't let them have a place. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, give no place to the devil. That's what Jesus is telling us. He's saying, look, at, if you give place to this, it'll choke out my word. So the question is, as we bring this to a close, how do we deal with this? What do we do? Well, the first thing, church, it's real simple. It's not hard. It's we need to learn to deal with or confront the chaos. In other words, this morning, what we need to do is we need to get honest. We need to have an honest look. We need to start asking ourselves a question. What, why am I responding the way I am? Why did that make me angry? Why, why am I sad? Why am I bummed out? What is going on? Why? Why is oftentimes a useful question. Why is this happening? What's up with me? I know for me that I've done this in the past, and I'm not talking about going inside and doing this, this thing where you, you do this measurement where you never uh, uh, um, you know, measure up to any good. I'm talking about getting honest about the problems. Let me show you this in, in a marriage context. 
husband and wife are fighting, instead of trying to figure out why your wife or your husband is a demon, find out why you have a problem. Find out what's going on in you. Why am I responding this way? What's going on inside of me? Is it my faith that shook? Am I insecure? Am I afraid? This is something I do on a regular basis. Why am I reacting the way I am? Why is this affecting me? Why? Why did that hurt me so bad? You ever been hurt before? You ever been betrayed? Somebody did something, betrayed you, and then it, it's like it's, you can't get it out of your mind, and you're like, why is this? you got to get honest. Why? Quite possibly you brought them too far into your life. Quite possibly you raised them up to a level that they should have never had in your life. That's not their fault. And sometimes what you got to do is you back that off and you repent and you say, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry for allowing that to happen. Not that they're bad people. It's that you've allowed things to go too far. Why is it I'm struggling with this temptation or that temptation? Well, because I'm feeding it. I allow my eyes to see what they ought not to see. I put stuff in front of me that I ought not to. Why am I tempted? Why do I struggle? Well, because I'm not believing the word. <clears throat> the best way that I can communicate this is to tell you how it happens in me. And I've been pretty vulnerable and open in the past about how my struggles and different things. Well, today I told you, I gave you the disclaimer that my ears are messed up and right now there's a bass drum in my head and all of that stuff. And it's hard to preach because right now it sounds like reverb is on high in my head right now. It's very distracting. It's very tiring. Well, this morning when I did the 8.30 service, I, 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 I muddled through it, what I thought was muddling through. I couldn't, it was so intense, I was not able to read all my notes and so I'm having to wing this I'm having to speak just based on the thought that I have and I can't get my notes right and all that and I remember just I, I stood here on stage everybody came up for prayer and I'm just standing here I stood here for a minute and I, I thought to myself this is exactly what I thought well that was horrible that's what I thought He said, why are you telling us? Because you need a real-life example, because this happens to everybody. And I went, that's horrible. And then I thought, okay, God, I did what you asked me to do. I did it to the very best of my ability. Best is best. Wasn't perfect, but it was excellent. Because that's the difference between excellence and perfect. Excellence doesn't mean there's no flaw. It just means it's the best. So then I walked off stage and I got into the hallway and somebody walked up to me and went, holy cow, best sermon I've ever heard. I get a text from somebody who said, I, once again, pastor, you're changing my life. Somebody else came into my office and said, awesome, do it just like that in the second service. And I'm thinking I missed the mark by a mile. So why is that? Why would I feel that? Well, because I'm dealing with insecurity. Because my eyes see me differently than you see me. And so now I can do one of two things. I can move into pride and go, that's right, I'm the best preacher on the planet. Well, that, that just adds more thorns in the field. Or I can move over here and go, you know what, God? At the end of the day, you're faithful to me. And you will take what I give you and you'll make something wonderful out of it. And Father, even in the midst when I'm compromised, you still allow for it to be anointed and to touch people's lives. And I don't have to be insecure about nothing. So we got to get honest. The second thing we need to do is we need to understand 
the, our, uh, uh, the revelation of grace. Grace, by definition, is divine ability. You're not going to do this without him. You need him to help you. You need him to navigate what's right and wrong in your life. Ask him. Say, Lord, what is hindering me? Lord, show me what's holding back that I can remove it. And finally, is understand your part in this, is that, you know what, God will show you, but you have to remove it. You gotta make a decision to say, enough, enough, I'm letting go, and let go of it. Can you say amen? Simply put, this morning, we must take responsibility for the spiritual clutter in our lives. It'll change you forever. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we thank you so much, God, for the truth of your word. We thank you, Lord, that you are helping us, God. We thank you, Jesus, that you are making a way for us. We give, you are giving us revelation so that we can live the kind of life, Lord, that blesses you. Lord, the kind of life that you've determined for us, that you've set in order for us. Lord, that we could be the people that you've called us to be. And Father, we thank you, Jesus, that you're faithful to us. We love you, and we praise you and glorify you. And I pray for everyone in this room right now, Lord, that, and everyone watching online, Lord, that you would touch them right now, minister to them and help them. Father, that you would bring things up. Show them, God, what they need to do, God. Lord, to get honest, to allow you to move, and then begin to remove those things that hinder. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we go this morning, I'm going to ask my ministry team if they would come up front. Now, I want to explain something to you. Before you get moving around, let me say this to you. The reason that we have this ministry team come up is because they know how to pray for people that need healing, that need deliverance, that need forgiveness, that need whatever they need. So if you're here today and you're struggling with your health or you're struggling with an issue, you're struggling with a family member or something, please don't leave this place without prayer. Come up and let them pray for you today. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. God bless you. You guys have a great Father's Day. We'll see you next week. And next week, we're going to put the capstone on this. You have a good day. God bless. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.